I've not seen such a disheveled Chinese fire drill as the last few seconds in front of me here in the studios. What was that all about, Jesse? We were playing musical chairs, I guess. <laughs> Pass the headphone. <laughs> Anyway, it is the the midday program as we get started here today. It looks like everything's under control now, and uh, what we do here is just go right down the line here, bring you up to date on what you can expect on today's edition of Midday on the Rural Radio Network. It's in line for now. It is. Subject to change. <laughs> Very much. <laughs> TBA? <laughs> well, subject to change without notice, like grain prices. Right. Yeah. And what did that was new report tell us today? Anything special? Well, for crop progress, that was released yesterday at 3 p.m. Central Time. Uh, it had the national average for corn planted at 3% completed plantings. And for wheat progress, um, every uh, condition, excuse me, was up in our listing area so the wheat crop looking fairly decent right now probably as i said subject to change with last night's frost and we'll be following up on that on what the frost may or may not have done to that wheat crop but coming up at the 12 13 we're going to talk about the snowpack on the mountains and the amounts there and what that means for us as we are downwind per se from the mountains and how that helps producers for the 12 19 dewey nelson is joined with jason Ladiman, director of water street solutions their topic today are the changes ahead for the interest rates for the newsmaker, Joe Gangwish is with Representative Don Bacon, who is on the House Agriculture Committee, also from Nebraska, and he has been taking an agriculture tour around Nebraska this week during his Easter recess, so getting a little better feel on things, looking towards the 2018 Farm Bill as well. And for the 117, Shaley Peters is with... A representative from Kansas State on some of the studies that they are currently doing right now. Okay, look forward to all of that in our ag news today. I'll give you the punchline first, Jason. Miles and miles and miles to go <laughs> or away. Well, yeah. Well, what's uh, happening over at Nebraska, my friend? Well, no one's left so far this morning, <laughs> which which is good. But uh, subject to change. Subject to change. Yes, because. Uh, all of these transfer stories never happen during the day. It's always released uh, somewhere in the afternoon. But bad deal for the Huskers. A mass exodus continues. They lost their fourth player yesterday and Michael Jacobson. He's decided to move on, wants to play somewhere else. Also, to, just to show you how bad of a month it's been for Tim Miles, mm -hmm. he was involved in a traffic accident on Sunday. That wasn't his fault. He was in his uh, new SUV and a kid ran into him. $5,000 worth of damage. Miles was heading home from a university event. He said uh, he was hurt in his heart because he liked his SUV so much. But uh, Coach will be okay. Also, we'll talk about the Nebraska Sports Council. They have announced that Hall of Famer Tom Crop of UNK. He has been named their honorary parade marshal for this year's Cornhusker State hey, Games. That'll be great. Couldn't happen to a nicer guy. Online sales tax, Bob. What's going on there? Well, shopping online may cost Nebraska residents a bit more if a uh, bill intended to uh, tax online sales makes it to the uh, end gate. Anyway, right now, lawmakers have given that initial round approval. Stocks are lower, job openings are in the news, and the president tweets about a meeting he had. That's quite a mystery. All right. Well, all this and more coming your way today on Midday. 
We bring in Paul Perkins to take a look at our ag weather brought to you by Coolman Repair. Well, Mr. Paul, you've done a nice job. Brought us a nice day. Yeah, big improvement over what we saw yesterday. Mm-hmm. Cloudy, cold, and windy, all the three things that really don't make for a nice day. And today we've got sunshine, a little bit lighter winds, still some breezy conditions, but warmer temperatures already. Much of us... Uh, we're seeing temperatures right now in many areas at least close to or even warmer than what we saw yesterday for daytime highs, including as warm as the mid to upper 50s over far southwest Nebraska and the far southwest part of the Panhandle. Otherwise, most of us right now in the upper 40s to the low 50s, those warmer temperatures today. Courtesy of some south winds on the backside of an area of high pressure that's sliding to the east. A few clouds will begin to move in later today as the front gets closer. There is a small chance tonight of some rain or thunderstorms late tonight in western central Nebraska and Kansas or mainly to the west of Highway 183 as the disturbance starts to pass through. A more active period gets underway for tomorrow. Looks to last through Monday. Doesn't look like, though, it's going to be a washout over the next several days, especially if you have Easter plans. Temperatures mostly on the mild side. A stronger disturbance will track east tomorrow for that better chance of some rain and thunderstorms region-wide. More disturbances with those chances for rain and thunderstorms for Thursday and then again Friday night, especially that system for Friday night. Over the weekend, we'll see a front linger in the region. That'll interact with some passing disturbances for mainly small chances of rain and thunderstorms. In our long term, Nebraska, Kansas, and the southern two-thirds of the U.S. forecast to be warmer than normal Easter Sunday through the 24th of April here in central Nebraska. During that time, we usually average daytime highs in the low to mid-60s and overnight lows on average in the upper 30s. And once again, we should be above that in long-term precipitation expected to be generally wetter than normal in Nebraska and Kansas Easter Sunday through the 24th. A ridge of high pressure just off to our west may change that just a little for early next week. Soil temperatures this morning at 7 at the 4-inch depth. Cooler, as you would expect, after it cooled off into the upper 20s to low 30s in many locations. The overnight low in Nebraska for the state low, 22 at uh, Grand Island in York and also at Sydney in north central and northeast Nebraska. Those soil temperatures earlier this morning in the upper 30s. Most areas with soil temperatures right now in the low 40s. The warmest soil temperatures are in central and east Kansas where it's in the mid to upper 40s. But yesterday they were in the mid to upper 50s. In the markets today, weather factors driving trade decisions include rain to slow down field work and corn planting in the Midwest and continued drier conditions in Argentina. Most of the country expected to see a continuation of or return to above normal temperatures. It will be mostly dry in the southeast and southwest with spotty showers elsewhere. Much of the mid to late week precipitation across the plains and Midwest. In the Midwest, moderate to heavy rain the next week to 10 days will hinder the field work and also the corn planting even more. Soils now saturated in Iowa, Illinois, and Minnesota. Corn planting is several days behind in Illinois and a week late right now in Missouri. Conditions across the southern plains greatly improved from recent rains and mild temperatures. The Kansas wheat ratings improved 5 percentage points to 48%, good to excellent. Argentina's forecast drier the rest of the week to ease flood concerns from recent heavy rain. Amounts exceeded 10 inches in north-central Buenos Aires over a three-day period. 
The Brazil southern crop areas will be drier the rest of the week to favor maturing crops and harvest. Central crop areas in Brazil look to see some light to moderate rain for their winter corn. Are you absolutely sure you can't extend the sunshine and nice uh, temperature on through a couple of days? Well, it looks, it, we should be mainly mild over the next few days because, uh, you know, 68 to 75 on average uh, yeah. for our high. So looking pretty good here. Plenty of rain, though. And just some passing clouds. It, just not going to be a washout. So no need to push the panic button. You don't need to worry about yeah. dodging raindrops probably for your Easter egg. You may just have to move the schedule route for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know me. I'm an Easter panic button person from a long way back. And when you need weather anytime, folks. KRVN.com. Taking a look at agriculture information on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Jesse Harding. Research released from Kansas State University is showing benefits of ear tags in combination with growth implants. We get more from Shaley Peters. Results showed a reduction in horn flies and when used over 90 days, an increase in live weight by 15 to 16 pounds. Dale Blossie, Extension Beef Specialist with K-State, talks about the study. So we had three different pasture treatments, that being control, one ear tag, one insecticide ear tag, and finally the long range. And it was uh, the opportunity to also look and see if we could stack additional performance with the stalker heifers by utilizing a uh, basically no implant, the one Raugro administration, or finally one Revel or G administration. So this is a non-sponsored study. Uh, we utilize products from three different companies, and we feel very good about the results of this particular project uh, to help our producers make some of the decisions as they, as they get ready to go to grass. Blossie says although the actual benefit to producers' profits will vary at a price of 70 to 80 cents per pound, the added value could be about $25. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shaley Peters. The post-April first look at snowpack and reservoir levels reveals an above-average water season for most of the West this spring and summer. USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey says only a few western reservoirs remain at below-average totals after a season of above-normal precipitation for much of the region. Across the southern tier of the country, we have had warm weather that has melted out the snow early. However, that water has already made it into the reservoirs. The one lone holdout to that is New Mexico, where we have some longer-term term chronic issues that aren't completely related to what happened last winter. Everywhere else in the West is looking at average or above average storage with the exception of Utah, just a hair below average, and Washington State a little bit below average. But really the reason for that is that reservoir operators in parts of the Intermountain West and the Northwest have had to dump water to make room for what's still to come. So that's a little misleading, even looking at the April 1st values. Suffice it to say that just about everybody in the West, except for a little sliver of the southwestern United States is in good shape water supply wise heading into the spring and summer irrigation season. Rebbe said combined with near record mountain snowpack means above normal water supplies for most of the state of California as well. In the National Cattlemen's Beef Association applauded today's announcement that the Grain Inspection Packers and Stockyards Administration is delaying the effective date of its interim final rule 
an additional six months to October 19th of 2017. The two proposed rules and one interim final rule came out on December 20th, one month before the end of the Obama administration. The interim final rule regarding the scope of the Packers and Stockyards Act and the proposed rule regarding undue preference and unjust treatment have a direct negative impact on the cattle industry. NCBA President Craig Uden says, and I quote, that this is another step toward common sense and away from counterproductive government intrusion in the free market. That said, while the delay is welcome, ultimately this rule should be killed and American cattle producers should be free to market our beef without the threat of government sanctioned frivolous lawsuits. And also the National Pork Board also congratulated this move and President Ken Mashoff from Carlisle, Illinois says we're extremely pleased that the Trump administration has extended the time that it has reviewed this regulation. That's a look at agriculture information on the Rolled Radio Network. I'm Jesse Harding. Are there changes ahead for interest rates? This is our topic with Jason Ladman, Director with Water Street Solutions. What are your thoughts on interest rates and where they're headed? Well, here in the past, we've had quite a few questions from farmers around the direction of interest rates, not only today, but in the future, and if there any action that they should potentially be taking on this information. So when you think about the, the new presidential administration in place now for a few months, many farmers are wondering if and when there may be uh, any changes coming ahead for our country, specifically in the economic situation. And I think the answer to that depends highly on your thought process around the general direction of the economy over the next few years. So as we know, in recent years, interest rates were lowered, and then they were pretty much untouched in an attempt to kickstart what many figured were a, was a sluggish economy. And with rates frozen or barely moving, we haven't seen very much inflation at all in the past few years, nor have we seen a great deal of economic growth. And when an economy starts to boom and grow, the end result tends to be inflation. So if you believe that new economic policies and the results of those policies will bring about a different situation than in these past few years, it would be a wise decision to take action in regards to safeguarding lower interest rates that we have today. So in other words, if you're bullish on the future of this country's economy, and if you think the overall economy may go in a different direction, and wow, everybody, you may want to start thinking about how you potentially could lock in those low interest rates today. Jason, how can we go about making these decisions? Well, if you're like most farmers, this is a tough call to make. So let's say you have a 15-year land note, and you've hesitated for the past year or so to lock in rates on that note. Now, you might have reasons why you chose not to do that, but today you feel differently. I would say that if you believe that our country's economy will be in a growth mode in the coming years and you want to act sooner than later because of the potential for growth, which creates inflation, hence creating potentially a rising interest rates, then I think at that point in your mind, as you think about the future, you want to probably start locking in interest rates in some way. And that, that's a hard decision to make because there's a lot of moving components. So let me throw a few questions at you to get you thinking about what's a good decision here. What kind of notes do you have right now? What interest rates do you have currently on those notes? And how will your farm be affected financially if you don't lock in those rates as they go up? So in this case, does a refinance make sense? And at this point, it would be good to understand what's the high watermark and interest rates that you would be able to tolerate before you would actually want to act. That can be a good place to start when you're thinking about what to do. Because if you then believe you need to consider making some changes, then the actual work for analyzing your situation begins. What else can we consider, Jason? 
Well, as you look at how an interest rate may impact your farm today, you also need to think more about what potential does the farm have to grow in the near future, and how will that growth increase your need for additional monies. If your operation increases in size due to opportunities, your operating note will likely have to be larger and potentially at a higher interest rate than what you're paying currently. Growth could also mean you have a greater need for equipment or infrastructure, which might mean borrowing more money. So if you find yourself in this type of position, it will be important to understand not only what interest rates are doing and how you can lock them in, but also evaluate the best way to purchase this equipment. I would also recommend considering getting in touch with an ag finance advisor because their knowledge of ag financial issues can be helpful as they provide perspective and analysis on your farm situation and how to deal with rising interest rates. Contact waterstreet.org or call 866-249-2528. Our guest today was Jason Ladman, Director with Water Street Solutions. You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network, and it's time for Sports with Jason Jorgensen. Hey, thanks, Derek. Well, if you have any college eligibility left, you might want to give Nebraska basketball coach Tim Miles a call. His roster is looking pretty thin after sophomore forward Michael Jacobson announced he's transferring and will continue his college career at another school. Jacobson, the 6'9 forward, started all 31 games last year, averaging 6 points and 6 rebounds per game. He is the fourth scholarship player to leave, and the second starter to depart the Huskers since the end of the season. Now, it really hasn't been Coach Miles' month. On Sunday night, his sport utility vehicle sustained $5,000 in damage when it was struck by a driver who failed to yield at an intersection. Miles said he was heading home from a university event around 9.30. Miles said it hurt his heart because he liked that SUV so much. Thankfully, no one was injured in that accident. Well, two Huskers instrumental in Nebraska's recent run of good play were honored yesterday. Senior Ben Miller and junior Jake Hohensey picked up Big Ten honors. Miller was tabbed as the league's player of the week, and Hohensey earned pitcher of the week accolades. The Huskers are back in action tonight. They're in Manhattan to take on K-State. First pitch is set for around 6.30 Central. The Nebraska Sports Council has announced that Hall of Fame, Kearney State basketball player, and 25-year UNK head coach Tom Kropp has been named the Honorary Parade Marshal of this year's Cornester State Games opening ceremonies. Kropp, a native of Aurora, is a member of four Halls of Fame. The opening ceremonies mark the official beginning of the 33rd annual Cornester State Games, which will run this summer from July 21st through the 30th. The much-publicized success factor proposal was shot down last week 33-18 to 18 in the NSAA's General Assembly. Executive Director Jim Tanneper says in the end, the Assembly felt this rule would have punished both private and public schools. I think that there were some who felt like there definitely was an issue with some schools having components that made them more successful than others, and they tried to build that into the proposal. But I think, on the other hand, there were those who felt like it's difficult to penalize success. With that proposal now shot down, Tanneper doesn't anticipate any additional efforts going forward in the foreseeable future, but adds, this is not the end of the road. And John Fabris, who tutored two of K-State's best defensive units in school history back in the late 90s, has returned to Manhattan as an assistant coach as he will work with the defensive ends under head coach Bill Snyder. That's a look at sports. Have a great day. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network.
Mostly sunny skies today, the highs in the 60s. I'm Dave Schroeder. A May 22nd sentencing has been scheduled for a Columbus man convicted in a Platte County crash death. Court records say Ever Gadiel Hernandez pleaded guilty to vehicular homicide in the December 16th crash of his pickup truck along Nebraska Highway 22 east of Monroe. Guidel Hernandez also pleaded guilty in an unrelated drunken driving case after prosecutors amended the charges. Nebraska 2nd District Congressional Representative Don Bacon is taking an agricultural tour in Nebraska during the Easter recess ahead of the upcoming Farm Bill debate. The Rural Radio Network's Joe Gangwish has more. Congressman Bacon told the Rural Radio Network Monday among the many topics he's heard about from farmers so far is health insurance. Uh, a lot of our farmers are paying twenty to thirty thousand dollars a year you know, for their even their spouse uh, with a ten to fourteen thousand dollar deductible, and that's extraordinarily hard to afford. So healthcare was a big topic. Bilateral trade, making sure that we're working hard on the trade issues. Uh, foot and mouth disease, and having the right vaccine supply uh, closer to home. Crop insurance, and what kind of maybe incremental changes we we could be looking at. In fact, what I've heard from our last stop, they really like how it's set up right now. Bacon also says he's looking forward to confirming Sonny Perdue as Ag Secretary after the recess because we need his voice on trade issues. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Joe Gangwish. Nebraska lawmakers are debating whether to join nine other states in calling for a constitutional convention to limit the federal government. State senators began discussions on the resolution Monday. Senator Laura Epke of Crete, the bill's sponsor, says amendments proposed at the convention will be limited to fiscal restraint, the size and scope of federal government, and term limits for Congress. In Kansas, a Democratic civil rights attorney running in the nation's first congressional election since President Donald Trump's victory has upended expectations that Republicans would easily win today at a Kansas House seat that the GOP has held for more than two decades. The race between Democrat James Thompson and Republican Ron Estes to fill the seat vacated by CIA Director Mike Pompeo has become surprisingly competitive. An elementary school in San Bernardino, California that was the scene of a murder-suicide is closed for the time being. School district officials say classes at North Park Elementary are canceled for at least Tuesday and Wednesday. Counselors are being made available at a nearby middle school for students, family, and staff. Whether you missed the game or need to replay that on-air interview, catch up with a podcast under audio-video at krvn.com. In the News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. News presented to you by Heritage Homes of Nebraska, the preferred rural builder. Find out more at heritagehomesofne.com. Joe Gangwish back with you here on the Rural Radio Network. Representative Don Bacon from Nebraska is with us. And, uh, Congressman, you're kind of on an agricultural tour uh, taking place across the state. And how's it been going so far? Well, I've enjoyed it. I've talked to cattle you know, cattle ranchers, hog farmers, corn and soybean growers, folks who do financial services for the agriculture community, uh, and a lot, of, a lot of folks who support the industry. So it's been a great day today, so we're going to do the rest of the day and all day tomorrow uh, doing the same thing. And this is advanced, kind of a listening session for you ahead of some farm bill debate, is that right? Right, yeah, we're going to be working on the farm bill all year and then with the, with the intention of getting a farm bill, bill passed in 2018. But I think it's good to get a lot of input 
from various sectors of the agriculture community uh, will just make me better uh, when I'm serving on the committee uh, in D.C. Lots of ideas on what we could put in a new farm bill out there. Uh, any any specific answers you're looking for? Uh, Health care, believe it or not, was one of the top topics. Uh, a lot of our farmers are paying twenty to thirty thousand dollars a year you know, for their them and their spouse uh, with a ten to fourteen thousand dollar deductible, and that's extraordinarily hard to afford. So healthcare was a big topic. Bilateral trade, making sure that we're working hard on the trade issues. Uh, foot and mouth disease, and having the right vaccine supply uh, closer to home. Crop insurance, and what kind of maybe incremental changes we we could be looking at. In fact, what I've heard from our last stop, they really like how it's set up right now uh, for that. So ethanol, that was the topic, and the byproducts, co-products that our cattle uh, and, and our hog farmers still can use from ethanol. So it's been a, a wide-ranging discussion. Representative Don Bacon with us from Omaha. He's on the House Ag Committee. He's taking a tour of Nebraska and agriculture uh, yesterday and today. And, Congressman, anything yet on Art County PLC, the farm program payments, anything on that yet? Not yet. I would say that we'll probably see more incremental, smaller changes. That we can do some fine-tuning uh, to make to do to do things better. Uh, one of the things I found interesting, when I was in D.C. at one of the committee hearings, there was concerns that you could be near a county line and have a drastic change in payment just because of the county line layout, even though two farmers may be a mile apart, for example. But I was interesting to hear today that a lot of the folks I talked to, at least in Columbus, and uh, particularly like the formula uh, being used. So, I, I don't know. It's, that's why we do these things. It's good to get a, a diverse feedback. And you'll probably hear more of that because it just kind of depends on which county you're in and what, what type of feedback you'll get on that. <laughs> but, uh, no, you'll, you'll certainly find that out. But, hey, after Easter recess, though, we're looking forward to uh, Sonny Purdue's confirmation, aren't we? We need him. Uh, I think we need his voice in the cabinet. Uh, to speak out on trade issues because our agriculture community is so dependent on opening doors. Uh, Mexico takes a lot of our cattle and beef, for example. And I think that we need a voice in the cabinet so that the president is hearing clear, undiluted facts that, hey, we're, we benefit from trade in this part of the, you know, the country and, and we need to work hard to get those doors open. I think that's secretary, future secretary Purdue's, uh, one of his main responsibilities. Well, you're venturing out a little further than the district you represent, but being on the House Ag Committee, this is a good way to get a good cross-section of what's going on in ag around the state. You know, I try to tell our folks uh, that, you know, one or two people a week will bring it up, Don, hey, we're, we're Omaha. We don't we don't have hog farms and many cattle farms. And I would counter and say that we have a significant number of food processing jobs, ConAgra, uh, Western Foods, they have commodity stuff like uh, Gavilon. Uh, we have huge ethanol, uh, you know, interest for companies that headquarter out of Omaha. And I think there's secondary or indirect benefits of the ag community. They, a, lot of, a lot of folks in the ag community spend for services and products in Omaha in a specific way. I, even the financial sector uh, in Omaha does a lot of work in the agriculture communities. And I say, when it's all said and done, we all want uh, affordable food too, you know, whether or not you're in the city or the farm. So I try to let people know that the, ag- the agriculture success uh, very much affects Omaha, and I think when people see through that a little bit, they understand it. 
How's your time on the Ag Committee been so far? Well, I really enjoyed Chairman Conaway is one of the nicest gentlemen you'd ever meet. Uh, you know, a great leader. He's a, a man of character. And I, one of my subcommittees, I work with Rodney Davis, and that he's, he does more of their biotech, uh, the special specialty crops. But I'm going to be working with him on the foot and mouth disease, make sure we have a backup plan to, to ensure that we're not caught in a bad spot with that, because that would really devastate our export uh, markets, for example. So I would just say there are good folks on there. It's the most bipartisan of all the committees I'm on. I'm on three committees, and I find the Agriculture Committee itself is the most bipartisan. I, there's very few issues you see the Republicans, Democrats uh, arguing about or debating. Congressman Don Bacon from Omaha visiting with us today. He is on the House Ag Committee. He's taking a tour of a large part of Nebraska that started yesterday and will conclude today. With you on the Rural Radio Network, I'm Joe Gangwish. Next, we talk with Joe Teal at Great Plains Commodities. Well, Joe, the USDA WASDE report had an effect on the cattle futures, didn't it? It sure did, and particularly in the feeder cattle. <clears throat> Once the uh, grain, uh, uh, the corn in particular, dropped from uh, being on the positive side to the negative side, the feeders just, uh, after kind of lounging around all day, just back and forth, uh, really ignited and uh, moved into triple-digit gains and uh, some new highs uh, for the move here. So uh, definitely had an effect, I think, more so on the uh, cattle was the uh, uh, cutouts at noon, which were up sharply, which uh, certainly helped. Didn't hear of really any big cash trades taking place. Uh, Certainly none took place yesterday. So uh, that still yet to be be seen to help uh, this market. But considering the uh, discounts, uh, it's a definite uh, for the live cattle to to, uh, get a little bit closer to that uh, cash trade. Now, in the hogs, we ended up the day mixed. Uh, April, which expires on uh, Friday, uh, was the only one that was lower. The rest were a little bit higher. So uh, definitely uh, uh, cash was a little bit weaker again today, and that uh, put the pressure on the April, and then you get some rolling of positions back to uh, the deferred months. So that helped support them. Plus, I think uh, a lot of uh, the trade beginning to think that uh, we're getting closer to a low here and that the summer uh, highs are just around could be just around the corner thanks joe joe teal great plains commodities total cattle slaughter first two days this week estimated at two hundred twenty-eight thousand, five thousand more than a week ago dewey nelson on the world radio network Jason Jorgensen has the scores and the stories. Sports is yours on 880-KRVN. A Kansas State University study has shown that cattle producers can improve their profits and add another layer of safety for their herds by using ear tags in combination with growth implants. I'm Shaley Peters visiting today with Dale Blossie, Extension Beef Specialist with K-State University. And Dale, you were working on this study. Why don't you start off by talking about some of the background and inspiration here with it? Sure, Shaley. It's good to be with you today. Basically, uh, we've done some previous work in earlier years looking at the uh, the introduction of the newest product on the market for internal parasite control, that being the long-range we determined from that earlier study that there was some measurable degree 
of corn fly reduction as a consequence of using the long-range product. It was such uh, we had the availability of our of our uh, pastures at the K-State Beef Stalker Unit to really try to get into the, the meat of the issue, looking at whether or not we even used uh, anything, if you will, on a pasture control strategy or using one single ear tag, that being a Corathon, and then finally looking at long range. And so we had three different pasture treatments, that being control, one ear tag, one insecticide ear tag, and finally the long range. And the opportunity to also look and see if we could stack additional performance with the stalker heifers by utilizing uh, basically no implant, the one Ralgro administration, or finally one Revel or G administration. So this is a non-sponsored study. Uh, we utilize products from three different companies, and something to be quite frank with you that is not done all that often in our industry is the chance to do some head-to-head comparisons as you work with sponsored research and normally they try to these companies try to stack the deck in their favor to try to promote their product as best as it can so we feel very good about the results of this particular project uh, to help our producers make some of the decisions as they as they get ready to go to grass absolutely and producers really nowadays looking for profit anywhere they can find it in their operations talk about some of the results uh, you found with this and how that can lead to profit there well we we utilized heifers uh, in this particular project, they were almost 600 pounds going to grass. And down here in Kansas, we go with a 90-day double stop. So, as I said, we had 15 experimental pastures and lined everything up accordingly. When it was all said and done, uh, relative to the particular treatment that had no fly control whatsoever and no implant, our true negative control, compared to no fly tag and a Revel or G, we saw an addition of $15 of added value. And as of today, uh, the software told me that we're looking at about a $91 value of gain. So everything is relative to that. And using nothing at all compared to just using one Revel or G implant we compared to, it was a $15 advantage. So even if an implant costs $2, uh, we're looking at a, a one a 7 to 1 return. Now, if we compared long range Revel or G to, a, to the no fly, no implant, control study, we saw $30 return. And the long range, at least the last time I was told, uh, we're looking at about a dollar per hundred weight. So that was a $6 plus a $2 implant. So $8 to put money into to, to basically return back 30, which is not too bad. And then finally, using one Corathon ear tag with a Revel or G, we saw even then a return of $22. So it, it pays to utilize some form of ectoparasite control with your cattle going to grass. Thanks so much for your time today, Dale. Dale Bloss, the Extension Beef Specialist with K-State University. I'm Shaley Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Listen in to 880-KRVN at 7.40 a.m. on the second Thursday each month for Energy Insights. These are unique stories highlighting local people who are improving life with their energy in your hometown. Presented by Black Hills Energy. Today was a wheat-led rally. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network and with us, John Payne. Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. You don't see this happen too often, John. What happened today? <laughs> well, again, uh, the buy the rumor, sell the factor. In this case, sell the rumor, buy the fact uh, was, was the play of the day. I, I thought when the market came out with those big numbers down in uh, South America, kind of confirming what Conab had said earlier this morning, and the market rallied 
kind of had a little bit of a feel that we weren't going to be going too much lower here. Um, starting with beans, I guess that's the the the, the you know, market du jour in this point. The shorts have just pounded this thing over the last three weeks, four weeks, and I think you've hit levels now where it doesn't really probably make a lot of sense from a risk-reward standpoint. Uh, we know what the market is down in South America right now. We know the supplies are going to be there. Now what's assumed is, is production for this year's crop, and most of the money, they're, they're not going to be too keen on sitting pat here uh, in the low nines, given that... Uh, you know, we could easily see a 10% pop, correct this thing, and have it come right back. So I, I've been telling guys who, who made those sales at 1030, you know, it's very rare that you tend to sell in February and get away with it. And, and right now the sellers got away with it. And I think, um, you know, now we maybe see a pressure on the upside here in the short term to see who covers. Isn't it positive to the market and to traders that we saw corn and soybeans close well off the lows of the day? Absolutely. And so there's a couple of things going on. A lot more to talk about than in just three minutes, but we'll start with the, the close. The close is fantastic, especially lead in wheat, and that really tells me that the short covering is going to start here. I'd expect uh, you know Minnesota to lead the way, uh, the Minneapolis contract. The high protein has been pounded so hard here over the last couple of weeks that that, that would be you know maybe looking at KC Chicago spread as a way to, to, to get some, some exposure. Uh, the second thing that happened this morning is probably going to apply a little bit under the radar, but that was uh, the U.S. is not going to, uh, accused formally through the WTO of uh, China being a currency manipulator, and that's a big deal. Um, I think there was there were some things that, that went on at this meeting last week between the president of or the prime minister of China and, and President Trump. And you know we don't know what what the meeting or the plan will be, but at the market, uh, the outcome that we basically took away from it was that one, you might see some some currency you know outlook changes by the U.S., which would be friendly commodities, and two. Uh, there was some talk about U.S. ag products being bought by China, and that is like a big green light, I think, for the buy side, especially at these prices. And that's forward demand that's really not priced in. So shorter term here, a lot of products still in the farmer hands. I don't know if we get too much above, say, 390 on the July contract, but that's where your decision is going to be made. And I think the producers are going to get put to it here shortly. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst, Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to DanielsAgMarketing.com. I'm Dewey Nelson. Spring already. I just laid down. It's a wonderful sunflowers and green. Green Acres is what the Rural Radio Network wants you to have this year. Enter for your chance to win a cultivator tiller from Bob's True Value or a bloom box full of plants guaranteed to attract bees and butterflies to your garden from the Nebraska Statewide Arboretum. Register at Natural Escapes Co's at high-quality housing Grand Island in Chester's Antiques Home and Garden, Lexington. Details at caravn.com. 